Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Everybody in management in my business works on systems all day long, improving processes. So, for instance, we had a little technical problem here a few minutes ago, and we made an adjustment, right? Mm -hmm. So, it was working kind of okay, but it wasn't the way you wanted it or the way I wanted it. So, we made a quick adjustment, and now if we were doing podcast tomorrow, we would start with this improved version, right? Right. And uh, so, that's all my people do, and this is very important. They work on the processes, because if your life is made up of processes and the results you want to have occur, you understand that there's processes that will get to that great result. You work on the processes. You work on the mechanics and you can get everybody to climb on board and run your business in a systems way. You will have everything you want in your life. Uh, You will have the time you want, the peace you want, everything you need in your life you will have if you work on the processes that create the results. It's only common sense, really, but most people don't. They're going this way, they're going that way. Everybody's, figuratively speaking, everybody's answering the phone in a different way. Everybody's giving a sales pitch in a different way. Everybody's handling a complaint in a different way. So all your managers do is you get with you and decide the best way to handle it. This is the Tom Rowland Podcast, fascinating stories to amaze, encourage, and inspire you in fishing, fitness, and the outdoors. And we're brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. I started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends, people that I admire and respect, and you. It has been a learning journey that's made me a better person, a better fisherman, a better father, and a better athlete. I'm so happy that you're on this journey with me, and I'd love to hear from you with show suggestions, guest suggestions, or questions. The best way to get a hold of me is through text. You can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response, but if you prefer to email, you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. That's a dedicated email address just for the show. If you like this show, you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me. Text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. The website is tomrollandpodcast.com, and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done, both the How To Tuesdays, the Full Links, and the Physical Fridays. They all live on tomrollandpodcast.com, and the social media is tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, on Instagram, or you can go to our big account, saltwater underscore experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now let's get on to today's show. 
Hi, this is Sam Carpenter, and I am the author of Work the System, The Simple Mechanics of Making More and Working Less. And I'm very happy to be with Tom Rowland on his podcast today. Looking forward to talking to you, Tom. Sam, how are you? Oh, very well today. Man. Talking to you from Southeast Kentucky. Southeast yeah. Kentucky? Okay. Yeah. You're spending a lot of time in uh, Oregon though, right? Well, I spent 45 years in Oregon and we, Diana is from here, uh, rural Southeast, beautiful Kentucky. Oh, it's wild out there. Uh, and I lived in Oregon. I skied and mountain climbed and, you know, rode my bike and did all kinds of mountaineering. And, and, uh, we met in Washington DC about six years ago and the going back and forth was no good. And so we had to live somewhere and she has family here and I don't have family back there. So I, uh, and I, I'm an Easterner anyway, I'm from upstate rural upstate New York okay. and a uh, long time ago, you know, 50 years ago. Uh, so we moved here, built a nice house. It's not a real big house, you know, but it's a beautiful house and it's quiet and I love the people here. It's great. Nice. It's a good place. To so live. Yeah. is, uh, upstate New York, is that where you learned how to fly fish and became interested in fly yeah, fishing? It is black river, moose river. Uh, up on the uh, western fringe of the Adirondack Park. Okay. Little town, little poor little uh, former industrial town. <laughs> you know, really part of Appalachia, which of course this is Appalachia here. And and in the late 70s, we all know what happened with timber and coal and manufacturing. It all went overseas. The same thing happened way up there, 950 miles from here. So these are my people. Yeah. Very, yeah. very small town. I, uh, yeah. I know just a little bit about upstate New York. We had the great outdoor games up there in 2000 and 2001 we were fishing the the uh Osable river oh, and yeah, uh, we yeah. were right there in lake placid and it's such a beautiful yeah. place i loved lake placid i i really had like they said it was going to be in new york and i had this picture of what it was going to be like and i went there and it was not that way at all and i just thought lake placid was just one of the coolest little places i had ever seen and to think that the olympics were there at one point and then i was a fan of the of the movie miracle and that whole story about the you know the the americans defeating the russians in hockey yeah. and i was able to go into that um the 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 hockey rink there which is right. literally the size of a high school hockey rink and and to imagine like that that eight, was going on rows of chairs. i know yeah. and to imagine yeah. that that was going on in that deal that must have been one of the greatest sporting events you could have ever gone to um of course it would just be like seeing like the rolling stones in a in a small little amphitheater <laughs> you know like it yeah, was just well, how great would just that be yeah so much so much <laughs> power and in and, and emotion and you're just right on top of the hockey rink and i just sat in there and was like wow i can't believe that that happened right here in this little yeah. tiny place but anyway i loved uh upstate new york and um it was pretty cool pretty cool i need to I've go back and do it of, again i've spent a lot of time in lake placid in fact i'm a what they call a 46er are oh, you familiar what is that? with that no i don't know what that is well there's there's 46 peaks that exceed 4,000 feet. And to a Westerner, it doesn't sound like much, but it really is. 
the Western Peaks may go to 12,000, but you start at seven or six. Uh-huh. So there's 46 that exceed 4,000 feet. A lot of them are a 3,000 vertical foot hike. And you and I have gone back and forth. I love climbing. I love mountaineering and climbing, mostly mountaineering. So I've climbed all 46 of them. Wow. And so I'm a, I mean, there's thousands and thousands who have done it now. I, I wasn't one of the first ones by any means. But when I was 46, I decided to climb them all. Okay. <laughs> that's very cool. That's very yeah. cool. Well, that's a nice segue um, into the reason that I'm having you on on the show. And obviously, when you were 46, you had created uh, businesses and structured your life in a way that you could have a lot of time to be able to go and climb 46 peaks, right? Well, I'll tell you, I hadn't really put it together yet. Oh, really? I just took time. Yeah. I, I was headed in that direction, but I didn't know how or why I was doing the things I needed to do that I talk about in the book, but I didn't really have my insight until, uh, 1999. And that was 1995. Okay. I think. Six. Okay. But I, I was kind of had it in my head and I just went and, uh, I had good people in the office, but I, I didn't get a clue about how to get as free as I am now until I was 50. Uh, actually, well, that's pretty good news for a lot of people that, uh, yeah. that you don't have to have this figured out super early. And, and what we're talking about is I read your book and it was recommended to me, um, by somebody that I have a lot of confidence in. And they said, you should really read this book. It's called work the system. And you, um, basically create systems in all parts of your life that help you to work more efficiently and create more time and more money, right? Well, yeah, sort of. I mean, <laughs> this is a good, this is a good, really good place to start because there's a very important nuance in what you just said. Uh, we all, our lives are all up. We either manage them or we don't. Oh, wait, hold on. We're losing you for a second. You, you went, I can't hear me. Yes. But for just a couple of seconds, uh, you okay. went, you went silent. So you were saying our lives are all systems. Yes. Our, we're, our lives are the results of the systems in our lives. For instance, you had to set up with your engineer today, this, so you, you needed to get from a to B and we're at point B now. Right. right. So you had to go step by step by step by step. If you weren't organized, and I can see by your back wall, you're a very organized guy. Uh, if you weren't organized, you'd go here, then you'd go there, and oh, I forgot this, and uh, we, we're going to do this, and we forgot to do it, and and uh, you know, and I I could give you some examples of my personal experience with businesses who operated that way, but the point is, uh, everything in our life is a system. Should I kind of expound on yeah, this? Yeah, absolutely, little? please. Yeah. So I'm sitting here. You can't see my hound dog down here, Pearl, but she's been with us about two years. And we started with point A. We wanted a little female beagle. And uh, there she is here two years, almost two years later. But we went through a process of getting her. You know, we drove over to Bowling Green, which is a several hours drive. We picked her up. We brought her home. We took her to the vet. We did all the things you need to do. A million steps between that point and where we are here. Well, there she is. She's just a beautiful little girl, and she's got a brother. So that's a that's a system. What you did in setting up today was a system. Diana, my wife, telling me you have seven minutes. You better change your shirt. <laughs> that was a, a process, too. I walked in the closet, put the shirt on. 
uh, here I am from A to B. Most people don't manage their systems and their businesses. So let's go to a business. If you're if you've got, let's say, a dozen people and you haven't documented your processes, everybody's going to do the process a little bit different, probably. You would explain to them how to do it. But over time, Mary does it this way. Jonathan does it that way. Recurring tasks. So what you need to do is get these tasks to be 100% efficient and 100% of your people performing those tasks every single time. These are called, of course, you know this, Tom, working procedures. But you need a strategic objective so you know where you're going. And it has to be written down, boring but true. And you need some operating principles, general operating principles. Uh, We have 30 of them. There will be no rat's nests figuratively or literally. You know, that's one of them. And then there's 29 others, basically what a person believes. And then you have the working procedures, which are uh, the systems in your business. How do you want to answer the phone? You got four people in your office answering the phone. Well, Jonathan answers it this way. Mary answers it this way. No, 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 no. Put Jonathan and Mary and the other two together and all of you together figure out the very, very best way to answer the phone. Hello. (laughs) You know, or do you say hi? It depends on your comportment. Hello, this is Jonathan. You've reached XYZ Company. How can I help you today? And the first step would be put a smile on your face. So you you answer in a cheerful way, right? So if you can imagine doing that for all the hundreds or even thousands of processes within anybody's business, then will you have a perfect business? And I didn't know the answer to that when I had this mini awakening in the middle of the night. I thought it's worth a try. I'm going to lose my business anyway. And I document all that, as you know, Tom, in my book. Mm -hmm. But the answer to that question is, and this was 1999 when I, I got this mini enlightenment, would my business be a perfect business if all my systems were perfect and they were executed perfectly every time? And the answer to that is yes. (laughs) It's easy. Really? Yes. So, yeah. So I'm, we make, I make way more money than I need uh, with my business. I have a call center on the side uh, and I work maybe four hours a month mm-hmm. and uh, my people are very highly paid. I get a lot of satisfaction. The product is the best in the country. There's 800 answering services in the United States. There's no question ours is the best. Uh, we charge a good dollar for what we do. We don't have, we don't lose accounts. And I have people who have worked for me for 30 years, literally. Wow. Several that have worked for me over 20, four or five. Uh, so that's an important point, Tom. And let me let me nuance that a little bit about creating systems. Mm-hmm. We all are operated by systems, whether we manage them or not. And the nuance is, do you manage your systems or not? So... I have a system where I could get up right now and go in the other room and get a glass of water. You go from A to B. I could go in and change my shirt again. A is where I decide to do that. B is I put it on and then I'm back here again. Uh, your college education, somebody who goes to four years of school, it starts at the freshman year and goes on, but it really starts before that because the college-bound student knows they're going to college before, and so they prepare in junior high, you go look at schools. You know what I'm saying? Everything, every result in your life, and I don't care what it is, even the headphones you put on your head uh, started with you picking them up at A and putting them on your head at B. So everything happens over time. And every result in your life in this moment is the result of an executed system that created a result. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, in most businesses, 
And I think this is where I'm not saying your business was this way, Tom, but you like my book. So I know which I know you're knowing what I'm talking about. And I want to gear this up for the audience. If you have a business and there's all kinds of systems in it, of course, like I said, everything in your life is a culmination of a variety of independent systems, systems that don't necessarily have anything to do with you. How you answer the phone in the office, you got four people, they all answer it a different way. Oh, but they're all terrific people. Well, one answers it this way, one answers it that way. What you do is you for the systems mindset, and if you were working with me, you'd put all four people down at a table and you'd figure out among the four, what is the best way to answer the phone? And each one probably has something to contribute. Hello, this is a ABC company. This is John. How may I help you today? Or this is John at XYB. You see, there's a variety of ways you can do it. And so you get your four people to agree on the very perfect way to answer the phone for your little business. And then everybody answers it that way. Now expand that to all the systems in your business, including the sales presentation, mm-hmm. uh, the marketing plan, the payroll, <laughs> who does the payroll. So you get everything boring but true. You get everything documented and you and you execute it and all your people climb on board. And I won't go into how to do that right this moment. But if you got everybody climbing on board, then you will have a perfect business. Because the question I asked myself at the beginning was, uh, if I had all my systems in my business and in my mind, my mind meld, my mind uh, systems mindset entrance, my mini enlightenment was every system in my business is independent from each other. Hmm. There are all these separate entities. What if I went in and took the most dysfunctional system and fixed it? And then I took the next dysfunctional, like they were coming in on a conveyor belt. I made them all perfect. They were perfectly executed every time. Well, you take all your systems in your business, and it didn't take me that long to do it. Uh, you document them, you get everybody to climb on board. And the question is, if all your systems are perfect, will you have a perfect business? And the answer to that question is yes. Hmm. So I make way more money than I need to make, give a lot of it away. I work four hours a month. I have 60 people spread all across the United States and Europe who work for me. And, uh, I just keep things going in the right direction. We had to navigate COVID. So maybe I work six hours a month, you know, to, and all my people uh, buy into the systems mindset and what they do, Tom, just to wrap this up for now is everybody in management in my business works on systems all day long, including improving processes. So for instance, we had a little technical problem here a few minutes ago and we made an adjustment, right? Mm -hmm. So it was working kind of okay, but it wasn't the way you wanted it or way I wanted it. So we made a quick adjustment. And now if we were doing podcast tomorrow, we would start with this improved version, right? Right. And uh, so that's all my people do. And this is very important. They work on the processes because if your life is made up of processes and the results you want to have occur, you understand that there's processes that will get to that great result. You work on the processes, you work on the mechanics and so many, let me finish up with this for this moment. Um, So many systems gurus out there, and I wrote the book in 2008, it's in the fourth edition, I'll I'll be the godfather of system strategy and business. We can give it to Michael Gerber and the E-Myth, but he never really explained how to do it, and I did. If you can get everybody to climb on board and run your business 
in a systems way, you will have everything you want in your life. Uh, you will have the time you want, the peace you want, everything you need in your life you will have if you work on the processes that create the results. It's only common sense, really, but most people don't. They're going this way, they're going that way. Everybody's, figuratively speaking, everybody's answering the phone in a different way. Everybody's giving a sales pitch in a different way. Everybody's handling a complaint in a different way. So all your managers do is you get with you and decide the best way to handle it. A key here is that these working procedures, and that's what I'm talking about, and they are documented, uh, they can be changed in the snap of a finger if you can improve it, mm -hmm. just the way we improved our little technical problem here right. a minute ago. Uh, so working procedures are flexible, but you work on your systems all day long. And then you go fishing and yeah. have some fun, right? <laughs> well, that's the idea is that, you know, you can become more and more and more efficient in what you're doing, which would lead to more and more time. One of the things that I've noticed as I start to implement yeah. this into the into the business, and we have we have a lot of different types of business. We've got a charter service. We've got Waypoint TV. We've got SE Multimedia, wow. which produces TV shows and there's sales and all kinds of things that yeah. go along with this, all the way down to what we're doing right now. This is a podcast and, and we have... Uh, we have, you know, uh, procedures and different things that we're doing as, as you see right now. So all of those different systems, um, are important, right? But what I've noticed is that when you're talking to the employees about the 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U S military from 1911 to 1985 while Colt produced the original. Almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. MidwayUSA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com These things, there's really an empowering sense to the employee that, okay, like for example, Jake, um, he inherited this job and the book that goes with it from Connor that was here before. Well, mm -hmm. Connor did a great job, but the way Connor did it may not be the best way. And so Jake and I have gone through these systems and, and the way that we're doing these and it, and empowering Jake to say, you know, if there's a step in here that is not necessary, oh yeah, let's talk about it and become more and more efficient about this so that it takes you less and less time to do what we're doing and it's better and better, right? So that that has been really good for, for my businesses is to empower well, the employees. You're working the system. Trying and, to. And the key to empowering the employees. And a lot of people make this mistake. They read my book and they said, I'm going to do all these systems. And then the owner of the company does all these working procedures. First, you do this second, you know, there's a lot, there's some paperwork there. Yes. The way to, the way to take the load off the owner or the owner slash CEO's shoulders is to empower their people 
insist that their people write up the written procedures. If you don't have them written down, they're going to be what I call organic processes. They're kind of going to flow depending on somebody's mood or who's doing it. Uh, you get the people to create the written procedures under your tutelage, and then they're bought into it. Mm-hmm. And I could give you some examples of, of how great that works. But I've had uh, my uh, guy who handles our consulting, Josh, my partner, Josh Fonger, and I have run across a lot of business owners who insist on doing it themselves because it will be done the very best way. Mm-hmm. But then the employees don't look at the procedures and they never get used. We had a guy in California who had a whole shelf. We finally visited him, whole shelf full of uh, three rings uh, binders full of procedures. And they had been sitting there for three years and nobody had ever looked at them because he spent two years writing them up. Hmm. Oh man, uh, you got to have your people do it. So, so let's, instance, let's, let's talk about that. So l- let's yeah. say that you, you spend the time to read your book. You, you say, okay, I'm having this epiphany like you did, and I'm going to go through each one of these systems in my business and I'm going to write all this stuff up and you spend all that time. Now, how do you get the employees on board? How do you, well, let's talk about Jake. Mm-hmm. So Jake has a better way of, first of all, you have him write up the, the protocol for doing a podcast, for example, mm-hmm. there might be 20 steps, right? You know, you got to have the right microphone. This has got to be charged. You got the ethernet cable over here, whatever, whatever it is, where, where's your headset and is it charged or, or mm-hmm. however your headset operates. So have him, you could write it up. Actually, you could write it up because you know it better than him. Cause he's, let's say he's a new guy. So they give it to Jake and say, Jake, and this, I love this term, punch holes in it, <laughs> make it better. So Jake spends his time saying, we don't need to do this. There's no reason for that. This is good. In fact, let's enhance this. Pretty soon it's, it might be 24 or 16 steps, or it might be 50 by the time he does it, depending on his style. But that's Jake's now, see? Mm-hmm. And then when somebody else comes in, uh, he can hand that to them and they just follow the procedure. And honestly, that does work because you write up your procedures. Number one, do this. Number two, do this. Because remember, everything happens over time. You want to get from A to B and every result in our life is a result of steps executing over time. So it's easy to write them up. Number one, number two, number three. And people say, well, we need special software. Well, we have special software, but the truth is you could write this up on word or use Excel and uh, get the steps down. For instance, our step to answer the phone uh, at my headquarters in Bend, Oregon, uh, seven steps. How do you answer the phone? Put a smile on your face, number two, number three, number four. And then anybody who sees a way to improve it or Maybe times change and something isn't the way it should be anymore. It should be this new way of doing things. Uh, Then everybody's at liberty to recommend Mm -hmm. uh, an improvement. And that improvement goes to the manager with an argument for changing it. And then you change it. People don't walk around the office reading what to do next. Uh, Number step 13. In a technical thing, they do if they're new. But nobody walks around reading working procedures, the fact that they're on a hard drive somewhere, or maybe even on paper, on a wall somewhere in the, in the uh, equipment room, maybe for some special outage situation, mm-hmm. but they're always kept up to date and they're always there. And everybody operates in their head like that. A to B over time, what are the steps? 
and you get the steps perfect. And then you move on to the next system because remember what I said earlier, all these systems are independent of each other. And that's what I saw. I talk about it extensively in the book, the enlightenment night I had back in 1999. I saw my, and I don't know if it was a dream or a vision or what it was, but I saw a table as I laid there exhausted after 110 hour work weeks for nine months, Mm -hmm. seven days a week. uh, I had this vision, this dream, or God, it was almost uh, metaphysical of separate items on a table. Like I have this was on the table. Uh, This glasses, glasses, I put them over there. You can't see them on the screen. I have these uh, sticky notes. I'll put them there. But what I saw was every system in my business was a separate item on the table. It wasn't a big mass of sights, sounds, and events. My company, Centratel, wasn't just this big conglomeration of swirling, although that's the way I was operating Mm. it. Um, and so what I did was I took this biggest problem right here and it took us about eight hours. And I talk about it in the book, it took us about eight hours, three of us to figure out how to solve the problem. And I instantly saved two hours a week wow. of my time. Okay. Multiply that by 23 years. And then we did that with the next biggest system, you know, the biggest problem, the biggest problem, it might be small, but it, whatever your biggest problems are, you start, you document it, you get your people together and you hash it out. And you and you get it perfect, and then you do the next one. Like they're coming in, as I mentioned, on a conveyor mm-hmm. belt. Right. Uh, that's what you do. And here's something: what is the Tom? What is the single difference between a small struggling business and a large successful business? What is the one thing that, without exception, holds true uh, for one but not the other? Mm, profit. Well, what it is, is documented systems. Documented systems. Okay. Boring, but true. The big organization has everything documented and they're always working on the processes. So we handle small to medium-sized businesses. But believe me, if it's a big system, if it's a big business, big successful business, they got the documentation down. Mm-hmm. Oh, you could have market permutations and and you're making buggy whips and the horse came along, you know, but... Uh, If you are documented, you are super efficient and not many people in small businesses uh, or medium sized businesses even do that. And what is the definition of a medium sized business? I would say anything over 20 employees to 100. And then you're getting into a larger business. But there could be a cultural change in a two person outfit all the way to the moon. But we don't work with many very large businesses. We work with some in some kind of a a subsystem uh, uh, strategy. But the big business has the big business CEO knows this. They may not be able to talk about it the way I'm talking to you, Tom, about it, but they get it in their head. They have a system strategy mind. And my background is engineering. So it's kind of not surprising uh, that uh, I'm at this place, but it has to do with being able to see the separate systems. And so when I give a presentation, I, I run, I run the audience through a little four minute, five minute uh, kind of a process where I say, okay, you can close your eyes if you want. Let's get all, you know, let's get all new age here, but uh, listen carefully what I'm saying and think about it. It might help you to close your eyes, but if you're in a room, you're in this room watching me and I have an audience of 400 people or whatever, I want you to identify the different systems around you. And then 
uh, I give them a hint. Well, first of all, the person next to you is a system. Okay. okay. And the person on the other side says, plus there's heating and air conditioning going on. Plus there's lights. Plus you can hear me because there's, uh, uh, you know, a, a system to amplify my voice. How many can you think in your head? And then, and then I say, that's what I'm talking about. When you can get through, when you're driving a car, when you're walking around the house, when you're given a presentation, if you can see all the separate businesses and not just this mass of confusion out there, that's the system's mindset. And it doesn't take long to get it. Now, my guy, Josh, I remember he worked for me for about three weeks and he's been with me 12 years now and he does the consulting. Uh, about three weeks after I hired him, he came in, he liked my book, but he, he didn't quite get it yet. And one morning he walked in. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. And I had to remind him of this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's down in... Uh... He's newly arrived in in uh, the uh, down in Tennessee, uh, but like as of Wednesday, from moved from Hawaii. Really? Wow! Yeah. Uh, but he came in and he says, "Sam, I'm going crazy." I said, "Why?" He says, "It's just driving me crazy because I'm seeing all the separate systems in my life. Like I see you, I see the telephone." I see you've got a diet Pepsi on your desk. <laughs> Maybe not the healthiest thing, but uh, he said, I'm standing in this room and I'm going out of my mind because I never saw the world this way before. Hmm. And I said, you're seeing the world, what I call one layer deeper, Josh. This is the way the world operates. And you can forget all the new agey stuff and even forget your religion and your politics and all that. The way the world mechanically operates is you, Josh, right now, at 29 years of age back then, are a summation of all the processes that are in your life, including standing here in front of me, telling me about your problem, and you've been thinking about it since when? He says, oh, kind of last night. I said, okay, so last night you started this process of trying to understand the problem, and here we are, and I'm telling you it's not a problem. You have just realize the system's mindset. And he said, well, that sounds really good, but how long am I going to act crazy? Like to feel crazy about this? I said, I don't know, a couple of weeks, a couple of days. It just depends. Me, I, it was instant. And I never, I was never confused because I realized intuitively common sense that everything at Centratel, let's take my business, everything at Centratel was the culmination of different processes that weren't managed. And no wonder I was going to miss the next payroll. No wonder I couldn't keep people. I had 12 people at the time. And we, in the previous year of this episode I had in my head, we went through 60 people, 12 people total in the business. There was nobody at the end of the year there that was there at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. That's how crazy it was because I had no control over the processes. 
This will go to miss a payroll, you know, bounce payroll checks, uh, forget to make a deposit. And, and it was just it was just a nightmare of systems that weren't managed. And so one night just before I was going to lose the business, this came to me what the problem was. And I had to make this next payroll. It was a payroll I didn't think I could make, but I I was so enthusiastic. I talk about it in the book. Uh, and we were able to make that payroll and move on. And that was 90, 1999. And here I am now. Well, it didn't take long to get things fixed. And my life has been very good. I've been in politics. I've been doing other things. We've got a little property management company going. I'm an author. I'm in my fourth book and all this stuff. Yeah. So it's- life has been good because I've got a grip on the handles. I like to say this is kind of a cool analogy, I think. So you can mow the lawn. Okay, or you can run a motor tiller, motor uh, a rototiller. So you mow the lawn, you know, it's kind of going along and everything's smooth. And in fact, you hire somebody to mow your lawn, right? Mm-hmm. And or you can run a rototiller, and you know how those are, <laughs> right? You know, it's all over the place, and so your business is all over the place. You want it to run smoothly with the hired guy running your your. Uh, uh, riding lawnmower and the oil has been changed and, and you've got workers comp on the guy and, and all this stuff. So you get control of the different systems and you can only do that if you pay attention to the system. And first you have to see them. And that's the first part of my three-part book is how do I get the systems mindset? And by the way, let me add that obviously you can buy the book on Amazon and it's in Kindle and uh, it's an audible and, and it's mm-hmm. hardcover, nice hard copy. And the, and the fourth edition just came out last year. But it, uh, the website is workthesystem.com. And I encourage your viewers to go to workthesystem.com and get on my mailing list. Because yeah. this is what I talk about. On the mailing yeah. list every week? You send out? She send yeah, out every emails. Thursday uh, there's a video. Okay. And anybody who signs up starts with number one. I, in this new effort I'm doing, I think we're up to number 15. But if anybody goes there and signs up, they will get that first welcome video and then they'll get one, two, three. And they're all very carefully put together. And these first 15 summarize what's in the preface and in the introduction of the book Hmm. to give a good idea of what the system's mindset is, which is what I'm trying to do with you right now. Right, right, right. (laughs) In this limited time. And they're all two, three minutes long. They're not big, long, half hour. I'll definitely do that because I'm interested in in learning even more. And one of the things that I'm interested in is, is, is your own personal experience with this, because say at Centratel, which is your call center, you have this epiphany, you go in and you, you, you take the biggest system and make some changes and it works and you get excited about it. And then you do that throughout the entire business until the business is running like a, like a top, right? It's just right. running perfect, right. which yeah. gives you some time to, to think about other things that you might want to do in your life, like share this with other people, right? So how can you share this with more people than writing a book? So my question is, after you've had this experience with your own business, and and then another thing that I want to talk about is is physical fitness. I know that you're into that and you 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 see physical fitness as a series of systems as well. But after you see this in your business and you go in, you say, okay, well, I'm going to write a book about this. You're going to create systems around writing a book. Right. Like what did how did you take your experience at Centratel, which is about answering a phone and and doing payroll and all of that? And how do you take that experience of something that's worked 
and then apply it to something different in your life. Like, um, and this is where I think a lot of people might get confused on this is like, yeah, I can see that answering a phone is a system, but how do I get up and write a book? How is that a system? And so I'm interested in, in how you applied what you learned at Centratel and then applied it to like your writing career. Well, I'll tell you what I did uh, was I studied a couple of books on writing. Uh, Stephen King's uh, Stephen King's book uh, on writing, I think, is on what it's writing. Called. Yeah, yeah, that's a great yeah. book. Yeah, and uh, a couple other writing books, and I, I found out how to write a book. And one thing you do is work on the uh, table of contents first. <laughs> okay. Take months to do it. You've got it. Uh, you cannot just start plowing into a book and vomit all all this. So I call it verbal vomit. Uh, um, just type, type, type because you're so brilliant. Um, it doesn't work out very well. You really need to start. So what I did was I learned what the process is for successful writers, and I followed that process and I tweaked it as I went. One of the tweak one of the tweaks you get. Uh, so um, is when do you write? So Stephen King writes in the middle of the day with heavy metal music in the background. <laughs> I get up at three in the morning when it's totally quiet and write for two to four hours. And then I'm done for the day because I need the mental refresh. Right. Uh, there's there's other methods, but but you you have to learn what the process is by other people and not create the wheel from the beginning. Okay. And I try to write a thousand words, uh, and in a session, if I can pretty much done, but you're going to go back and edit it over and over and over and you create your own process. And that's what I did. There was a whole process and it has to do when do I, and honestly, when I get up real early and Diana sleeps in a little bit, uh, till six, <laughs> uh, I got to feed the dogs. I got to feed the cats. I've got to, you know, turn the air conditioning up or down, whatever the time of the year is. And you get a routine. I didn't write this down. You don't need to always write these things down in your personal life. But I've got to, if you have a system, you get really efficient. And, and the whole thing of dogmatic, the term dogmatic appears. You want to dogmatically do it at the same time, every day in the same way. And try not to get interrupted. And what I love about getting up at three in the morning is that nobody's interrupting me. And that's it. And then by the time uh, the rest of the world wakes up at, say, 8 a.m., I'm done for the day with my big project, which is the new book, whatever right. book I'm writing. Yeah. Does that make sense? I hope I'm answering your question. Yeah, it, it does. It does make sense. Um, but still, uh, like if you take... Um, answering the phone, for example, that's one that you gave us before that you're going to, you're mm -hmm. going to determine how's the best way to do it. So I'm assuming that in your, in your writing, like you just went through your system there that you're going to wake up at a certain time. That's it. You're going to create a certain amount of time for your, yourself. And right. if, if you prepare for that and do that, it's a can't miss, you're going to sit down and you're going to write. Miss. Right. That's right. And you, and you tweak it every time. Well, that didn't work so well. So I'll do this. That didn't work so well. I'll do this. So, uh, so when John you're doing Steinbeck something like that though, but I'm sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but when you're doing something like that though, in your own, in your own deal and something outside of, of, of Centratel, like this is a new venture for you. So you're saying, okay, well that didn't work so well. Are you writing that down? 
Is that important? No. Like it's not no. important to write it down I, at that point. I encourage people that are starting a business, don't worry so much about the documentation. Kind of get the general stuff. Is there a market? Uh, do you have the resources? Kind of because you'll be going over here and and you just make you you're going to make errors. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you go over here and you make an error, you come back and those errors get smaller and smaller as you go on. Once you've got a machine operating and there's money coming in, uh, even on the verge of your first client, uh, then you start writing it down. I don't want to sound like some kind of a, you know, crazy guy with the documentation. It is important, but you don't want it to become the center of your life. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. You want it to be the center of your business but not your life. So you don't want to get kind of crazy about it. So would I get up? If I was going to write a new book, would I write all down my steps? No, I wouldn't because this is the real world. But at some point in running a business where you, especially when you've got other people uh, you need, you need to do the documentation boring, but true. Now um, John Steinbeck also wrote, wrote a book. Uh, what was it? Working days. It's a great book. And the way he wrote in the 30s about the Dust Bowl, The Grapes of Wrath, this is it's a fascinating book, even for somebody who's not an author. He decided he was going to write 2000 words a day. This guy was alien genius. OK, alien genius. And he was in Carmel, California, and he had 100 days to write it for his, some deal with his publisher. And it's a long book. I think it's 140,000 words, which is a that's a pretty long book. And he did it and he got up every day. And he's going to write 2000 words, no matter what. And he had a process for doing it. Now, John Steinbeck, there's a, if you get the book, the hardcover, if you can find it used or get the soft cover, there's a page in there with a photo of one of his pages. And they weren't uh, eight and a half by 11 or like eight and a half by 14 or 16, even real long. And it was the, the author of this book and took his notes and put them all together because what John Steinbeck did was take notes as he wrote the book, anticipating, documenting what he did and how he did it, not really knowing what he was going to do. Well, it was turned into a book after he died. There's a page in there and he wrote longhand. This is the 30s, okay, mm -hmm. 1930s. Longhand, 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 line after line after line after line on this single page, beautiful handwriting. And there was one word scratched out. This is not where you have word processor and you can go back and fix things because we, oh man, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm pretty sloppy because I make a lot of changes. <laughs> John Steinbeck wrote that book. He did 2000 words a day. I think he probably reread it once or twice and he changed a preposition or something once in a while. Uh, but that whole page had one change on it. Wow. That's what I say, alien intelligence writing book. The way most people write, the way I write is I write a draft and then I go through it over and over and over again. And it's got to meld with the rest of the book and it's got to be in the right sequence. Sequence is everything too. And that's why you have to start with uh, a table of contents. That's so important. But we're right back to the documentation here, Tom. And, and you do have to do the documentation on something as complex as writing a book every single time. You have to you have to come up with, in my opinion, a table of contents first. Now, some fiction writers, J.K. Rowling, I guess, will just flow through and see where mm -hmm. it goes. And I think Steve King, Stephen King is that way, too. But that's my process. And I write nonfiction and so that's the way I have to do it to have it make sense. If you get too far in your book 
and you've mixed a major missed a major point that should have been talked about in the introduction, for example, it gets messy mm-hmm. trying to fix that. You really need to take, I'd say, a month or two to put your uh, to put your table of contents together and then start. What Abraham Lincoln said: If I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend six hours sharpening my saw. Right. Uh, so. Uh, that that element of being patient and dogmatic and not getting in a rush is very important because we're all in a rush, aren't we? Because of these things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And TV and media. It's like our attention spans are really bad. Another thing I do uh, in writing a book uh, and in my daily life is I read a lot, Tom. I, I, I try to go through one to two hardcovers. Uh, different. I'm deep into my Louis L'Amour collection right now. Uh, but I wrote a, I read a political book a couple uh, of weeks ago and uh, the bodies of others. It's a new book by Naomi Wolf. And I read all kinds of stuff and it keeps my mind and my attention span longer, even though I've lost my way here a couple, a couple of times in this interview, because uh, my mind does tend to I wrote in the I wrote in the front of the book. I wrote the book as a handbook for my Centratel call center because I'm flaky. <laughs> I tend to be flaky. So I wrote this book, discovered this methodology, got my head straightened around so I could go in one direction for more than, you know, I like to say most people. And the way I was, I had the attention span of a gnat. <laughs> <laughs> G-N-A-T, right? right. Yeah. And I, so I like to think, and what reading does, uh, it, it lengthens your attention span. And that's very necessary to kind of do the work I'm talking about. Uh, there's a book out there called The Glass Cage, Nicholas Cage, no, Nicholas Carr, C-A-R. These are two great books, Tom. Uh, one is The Glass Cage. And the other one is called The Shallows. The Shallows came first. And this he talks about all this, of the beauty of reading to pull that. He's a college professor. I'm not big on college professors, generally speaking, and we could go into that. But uh, he's uh, down in a a big university in Atlanta, I think. And uh, he taught he wrote these books. And he talked about lengthening your attention span by just reading. And it doesn't take long. If if you have an attention span problem, you can read dogmatically for three or, three or four days. And it's hard to, to focus, focus this first few days, but it takes about four or five days to get your attention span back. Right. Even if you spent 20 days, 20 years losing it, you can get it back very rapidly. <laughs> that is very important for writing a book or doing anything else. The ability to sit down and contemplate rather than going here and going there, right. which and that all is of us so, tend to do. so pervasive right now. I mean, yeah. it's getting even worse because like when Twitter came out, it was like, 150 oh. characters or 75 characters or whatever. And now it's even smaller chunks. Right. But I think it's interesting because at the same time that, that you have so much interest in that you have a lot of interest in, I mean, the world's most popular podcast is three and a half hours long and audiobooks are probably as popular as they've ever been. And, uh, and a lot of that has to do with the convenience of having your phone right there and you can listen to an audio book very easily and you can listen to it in the car and everything. But it seems like as people get more interested in the tiny little bites of, of information, they also get more interested in the long form. And I, I, I just kind of see that uh, it's, it's almost a reflection. It seems like more people are interested in the tiny bits, but the reflection is that 
a lot of people are interested in longer form podcasts. Well, if you're paying attention, if you see if you see this is happening in your head, not you, but anybody, if we see what's happening in our heads, then we'll say, I have to counteract this. So yeah, I'm going to do what I need to do to stretch out my attention span. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying reading a book is one of the easiest pathways to doing that. Yeah. Plus it's fun and you learn new stuff, right? right. A lot. Of I, I do it. I do it as therapy almost. Yeah. Uh, and Louis L'Amour, it's about being a man and good and bad. And, and the, I, I love the guy. You he know? was a prolific I, writer. How many books do you think he wrote? I think he wrote a little over a hundred. Yeah. Yeah, really? I have a collection of I think fifty or so wow. of them, uh, and I'm wading through that, and they're easy to read. They're thirty thousand to fifty thousand words, and uh, it's just and it's a good break for your head not to worry about sociology and politics or even <laughs> your next big deal. It's good to just go over here and refresh your brain. Yeah, of I'm a fan of that too. We even have a book club right here on the podcast where where we yeah. we uh, put your books in there. Um, let's talk about the. Uh, the, the application of, of your systems mindset into, into fitness. That's something that you talk about in the, in the book. And I think it's a very easy way for somebody to kind of get their head around what we're talking about, about somebody wants to lose weight or they want to get in shape or they want to, they have a goal. They want to run a 5k like, and, and you, and you go through this in the, in the book about your own personal uh, fitness journey of how you saw that as a system too. So what do you, what, how do, how do you, how do you apply this to, to fitness? Well, let me turn the tables a little bit. We okay. talked you and I talked just before we started recording and I said, I would be, you read my book mm -hmm. and I'm sure you have some ideas about how that applies to fitness. I'd like to hear your scheme and then I'll tell you my scheme. How's that? Sound? Um, sure. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that, um, you know, first of all, I had to, um, create, a way that fitness was an enhancement to my life rather than a burden. Right. And this is one of the things yep. that we talk about a lot. If you're, if you're trying to work out at dinner, bath and bedtime and you're, you're a young parent <laughs> with young kids yeah. and yeah. you're, you get home from work and you try to cramp shoehorn this in because you feel like you need to be the provider and you need to be healthy and you need to be the leader of your family, which are all great reasons to be healthy, but you're trying to do it at the wrong time of the day. You're it's, it's not going to ever be something that you can consistently stay with. So in my opinion, consistency is number one. You have to find a time that yeah. it works for your life and your family. And then you have to create a way that your life is now basically revolving around that time. That is a number one priority. So for me, it was, okay, I, that time is not available. I don't like to do it at night when the, after the kids have gone to bed. So the most logical time for me is first thing in the morning, in the middle of the day, I'm out in the, I'm out on the water. So First thing yep. in the morning, I'm just going to get up earlier than everyone else. And this is my time. I'm going to create that. And so my system is get up early enough to where I have my allotted amount of time. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. 
Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. And that is the priority for the day. I'm going to win the day right there by getting up and working out at that time. Now, the system comes into play of the night before. It starts the night before, right? I'm going to lay my clothes out. Yeah. I'm going to have my water. I'm going, to yeah. know, I'm going to have a plan of exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to know exactly where I'm going. If I'm on the road, I'm going to have already scoped out the gym or the parking lot or whatever. And I'm going to know so that when the alarm clock goes off, I put my clothes on, I walk out the door, I already know what I'm doing. There's no wavering back and forth. Oh, it might be raining outside. I don't know. It's something. But it all starts the night before, right? Yeah. And so when it actually comes to the time that the alarm clock goes off, it's a can't miss, just like you're, just like you're talking about in your, in your book, that you've set this system up to where you've already mentally prepared, you've physically prepared, you're, you're, you're prepared with the workout, you're prepared with everything, and you have prepared by setting the alarm early enough so that you've allotted yourself enough time to where you're not going to miss you know, the, the doc call or the first, your first appointment or whatever it is that you're supposed to do. And so it all kind of is reverse engineered to, I need to wake up at this time and mm -hmm. I need to have all of this stuff prepared and ready to go the night before. And that's it. That's a system. Right. That is a process. And it starts the night before at A and ends up with your last effort in your workout, whatever it is, uh, at B. And then you do that the next day. And if you can make it easy on yourself, it'll actually happen. Yes. You won't make excuses. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I could see from your office how organized you are. No. And I sense you didn't do that just for the podcast. No. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. In some parts of my life, I'm very, extremely, very organized. And in other parts of my life, not so much. And that's why your book was very interesting to me because I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, well, I've already got this so locked down in certain areas of my life. Why is it that I'm not applying these systems into other areas of my life? And Managing why is it systems. Managing Manage them. Right. Yeah. So yeah. not only, but, but first I think that it's important, just like you were talking about with Josh, is that you realize that it is even, it's not just chaos. Like all of this chaos is created by not managing any systems, right? So if you have a room, like when Jake first started working here, this room that's behind was an absolute wreck. It had sponsor gear from every company that I've ever worked with in there. It was knee high. You couldn't walk through it. And it was such a wreck. And I just said, okay, well, I'm going to clean this up. So now it's super tight and we keep it there just like that. It's a system of, okay, well, this is what we do. When we're finished with this, we put all this stuff up and we, we put it away and it stayed clean. And that's how it's going to stay. Right. Yeah. But it is, it's, it's being aware. I think first that there is such a thing as a systems mindset and that all of the things in your life are basically a bunch of little processes that all work together to give you the result that you're, yeah. that you're getting right now. So I don't know. I've got it locked There's, down, locked down in certain areas in my diet and my fitness in my sleep yeah, in, yeah. in my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids locked down. And it's like, okay, well, what did it take to create this habit of fitness that I have? And I never miss a day. I don't miss a day. Mm -hmm. I don't want to miss a day. Because yeah. I've also done this in this system to where I make sure that a part of the system is that it's fun and I enjoy right. it. And if right. I stop, if, if that happens, that I'm not enjoying it, I'm going to change the system and yeah. I'm going to do something that I am enjoying. And uh, 
So I don't know. Is that is that the answer that you expected, or or uh, yeah, how do you, um, how does yours uh, uh, compare to that? Well, what's no, it's it's exactly right. I there's a formula I put in this fourth edition, uh, and there's number one with an arrow to number two to an arrow to number three and arrow to number four equals a result, mm-hmm. right? So that's what you just described. You're seeing the mechanical reality of your life. You've got to do it in the morning, first of all. Sequences everything, and then you lay everything out. That's I can't. I can't. I really can't add to that. Uh, I will add a couple of little nuances to that because that's precisely what I teach, what you just described. Uh, One thing is I call this clustering. And that is, so Tom, you have a family and you have two kids. How many kids you got? Three, three kids. So you got the kids, you got the family. That's very important. Priority number one, but your fitness is priority. Number one, you're, you've got to create income to support your family. That's priority. Number one. Most people have five or six priorities in their life. Mm -hmm. And for some people, it might be some hobby or some passion fishing. You know, these are all important to make Tom uh, a performing contributing, especially we've got to contribute value to others contributing. And people say, I don't know, you know, while I'm while I'm fishing, I'm not taking care of my kid who has a ball game or uh, if I'm doing this, I'm not making any money and they're all important and I don't know what to do. And so I have this concept called clustering. They're all important. Try to do every one of them every day if you can. Some of them need to be every other day, maybe. But uh, spend time with your family and don't feel guilty that you're not guiding a a fishing trip. Mm -hmm. Uh, At your workout, don't feel guilty that you're not home with the family. And when you're with the family, don't feel guilty that you're missing. Just try to do a little bit of them every day and cluster. So in other words, don't prioritize. I mean, you have your six important things. Just hit every one of them every day if you can and stop feeling guilty about doing number one when you think you should be doing number four, because when you go do number four, you're going to be guilty. You didn't do number one. So stop feeling guilty. And then the other thing, and I talk about it extensively in the book, and you'll remember this is blood tests. I'm a big fan of going to the doctor and getting a full screen blood test. And when I did that in 99, when I was so physically sick and my business was failing, I had three or four different hormones that were like zero and I was terribly dehydrated because I had a little bit of a kidney problem. I have to drink a lot of water. He says, well, you're terribly. And my doctor, and I talk about it in the book, my doctor says, you don't need, uh, <laughs> you don't need to have blood tests. You just need to take this antidepressant. I went through about six antidepressants and then he had me on freaking Adderall mm. And finally, I went into him. I said, give me the blood tests. And he said, no, you don't need blood tests. I'm going to just have to get another doctor, Steve. (laughs) This is an old friend of mine. Come on, just give me the, I'm not asking you for drugs. Just, all right. And so about a week later, he called me personally. His nurse didn't call me. He called me, you got to get down to the office right now. And I got down there and he said, I don't know how you walked across the waiting room to get back here and talk to me, but you're all messed up, man. This, This is bad. This is bad. Uh, and there were really kind of serious problems. And through a combination of over-the-counter and prescription uh, supplements, it took two years to get my body straightened out. But if you're if you're chemistry, because we are chemicals, aren't mm-hmm. we? Yeah. That's what we are. Even our bones are chemicals. 
And I did ask him that question. Aren't we made up of chemicals? And he said, yeah, well, why don't you test my chemicals? So, <laughs> so uh, it took me two years. And until I kind of got my body straightened around, my head never got, got where I needed it to get to. And I had blood tests done last week. Everything was perfect. My cholesterol is at the high range, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not over. Everything is perfect. And boy, if you take the full screen blood test, there's like hundreds of them that right. you can do. Go to the doctor, get them all done and see if there's any problem there, because you'll have a doctor telling you you need antidepressants. I'm really against antidepressants. I'm like Tom, Tom Cruise. I'm not a Scientologist, but uh, he was going to, he had me going down this road when the problem was that my basic chemistry was all screwed up from stress mm -hmm. and overwork mm -hmm. and all that stuff. I was going out at two in the morning on my mountain bike and hammering for three hours mm. up the hills, down the hills. I was, I was working out too much as I was not getting enough sleep, I had to learn how to sleep all over again, but I had to get my blood chemicals right as a normal human being before I could do accomplish any of that. So I'm a big fan of blood tests, but I, uh, your description, uh, is exactly right. And I, and I talk about that kind of thing. I could tell you read my book. <laughs> I think you would have figured this out on your own without my book, but, uh, that's what you do is you set up systems that are super efficient and you and here's another mantra tom automate delegate delete so if you have a task in your business can you automate it can you delegate it can you just freaking get rid of it right and that's right. the most delightful of all is to drop some and i have examples in the book about uh at least one example in there of something that we uh got rid of and we were spending so much time over a decade doing this task and and it was, we never used the results of that task. And so we just eliminated it and never have missed it since. <laughs> and that's in personal life, of course, too. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, why do you drink? You know, not you, but I say to people, uh, how does that contribute to your life? Well, it relaxes me. No, it gives you a hangover the next day, you know? And I, I used to drink and I did all the drugs. I was at Woodstock and the whole thing. So I could speak to this. But if you're trying to get somewhere, why put barriers in front of you? Why do you self-sabotage yourself? Drugs, are you crazy? You can't smoke dope and expect to get here. Well, all my friends, well, where are they? Well, nowhere. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I have some pretty strict rules, too, about self-discipline and everything. And I don't I don't really, I guess I'm preaching now, but I'm, I'm not so dogmatic that I won't let anybody in the house that doesn't do any of those things. Uh, but I, uh, I'm pretty, pretty dogmatic about how I operate my health and everything else. And as far as my health goes beside, but to add to what you said, uh, I go, we talked about it. I'm a rucker. Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> I like to go rucking with yeah. a heavy pack mm -hmm. for me, 30 pounds. I'm not a huge guy. I take my two dogs out and uh, we just climb up and down the canyons. It is yeah. the best workout. And you you do that, too. Yes, I think you mentioned. Yep. Yeah, that is the best thing. Because I'm in uh, I'm on the uh, Cumberland Plateau and the most vertical feet you could get. And I'm a mountain climber. I like climbing 4000. I got to go down into the Blue Mountains to get that the, the Blue Ridge to get my three or 4,000, but up here, you can't get more than 500. Mm. So, and you always climb down into a canyon and back out. And so what the dogs and I do is I'll climb down one side, go up the other side, there's five or 600 vertical feet there. I can get 600 in this one hike I'm thinking about. And then we come back down and climb 
back up again. And it's, you know, 11, 1200 vertical feet with a heavy pack. And it's a, it's a really good workout. Yeah. Now I'm older than you and I need at least one rest day, preferably two. If I have a really, really long, you know, a 10 mile hike with my pack and the dogs are going and we're up and down over logs and everything. I need a couple of days. It just takes me longer to recover. And mm-hmm. I've worked that in because I was working out every day too. You're in your forties. 50, 54 almost. Wow. You don't look it. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I had to slow down in my sixties. I'm 72 now. And, uh, but I'm, I'm as fit as any, pretty much any 30 year old out yeah. there. Uh, That's awesome. I, but you get that way because, because of the system's mindset, right? Like, I mean, maybe you, maybe it's a priority for you and you enjoy it, but maybe that's part of the system. It is. It's part of the system that makes me okay. I can write, I can be a reasonable person around my family, all that stuff. But I've been an athlete since I was 11, downhill skiing, cross-country skiing, uh, soccer, uh, yeah, cross country. You know, track. this is exactly how your um, book was re- was recommended to me because I was talking to somebody about something in my life, and I was like, uh, "Are they something happened?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I, I just decided to lose twenty pounds, so I lost twenty pounds real fast." And they're like, "That's incredible! Like, if you can do that, then why couldn't you do this in in these other things that you're talking about yes. doing with your business, or yeah. you can do it like that?" I'm like, "Well, um, I don't know. I've been." I've been an athlete all my life. So I don't, I don't know why. And, and they were, they said, you should really read this book about work the system because what you did is you just followed a process that you've been following for, it's an unconscious process for whatever reason that you know how to do this. So you, you set a goal, you developed a plan, you followed the plan and 20 pounds down. Yeah. That's a process. And <laughs> yeah. the, so all you got to do is, yeah. is do that in your, in your business. And that's all you have to do is do it in your personal life. And and yep. all you have to do is th- it basically most people already know some sort of a process, even if it's a bad habit, even if it's a, there's a, there's processes that are bad habits, right? Like you wake up, you walk, you grab a pack of cigarettes, you go have a cigarette. Like that's how you Get up. That's how you. That's how you start the day. Is that the healthiest way? No. So is that contributing to long term health? No. But delete it. That's yeah delete right. It. But that's yeah. a system, yeah. right? So yeah. as a system or a process that unconsciously is in your life, if you can do that, then you could do any system. You could that's do any right. process. You just have that's to right. think about it. In that, oh well, I wake up, I do this. Okay, well, either. I just have to apply that over here to answering the phone or to uh, a time that I'm going to do emails or whatever it is. Right. And, and, um, that's, that's, I, I didn't even think about that until right now, but that is how your book was, was suggested to me because, because of the physical fitness aspect and, and someone realizing you've got that locked down and that's is that is just an unconscious kind of thing that you're doing, but it's just the same as everything else that you're trying everything to do in all of these different businesses. You start at A, you go to B over a period of time, and there's steps in there, and you just follow the steps. This really is opposite a lot of modern philosophy in the West, in that you start with a mechanical. So I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, I'm going to buy into this method. And there's a lot of ways to lose weight, sure. of course. Yeah. But whatever method you bought into, uh, you said, I'm going to follow this and I'm going to do it. Step one, step two, step three, step four. And the 20 pounds is gone. You have to look at the mechanical execution of the system 
rather than wait to get motivated, mm. right? Oh, I've got, I just can't get motivated to lose the 20 pounds. Well, let's just say you got motivated. How would you do it? Well, I never thought of that. I, mm-hmm. uh, I just am waiting to be motivated. You're going over, that's backwards. Right. The, uh, the motivation will come. And as you kind of referred to Tom a little while ago, so you get a, you get a system fixed in your business. And I talk about this in the book, you get a, uh, system fixed and you get so excited about it because you took the mechanical and you eliminated a problem. What else can we do? It doesn't take much to get super excited. And as you, I'll bet, lost your first few pounds, mm-hmm. you got really excited because sure. you could see that what you were doing was working. And it's the same in a business or in a, or in a family, you get a clue that watching the mechanical part of it and leaving your emotions aside just follow through with the mechanical everyday stuff. And then the great emotions follow. I mean, what, what's not to like about having more money than you need and more time than you know what to do with. I mean, that's my life now. And it was never that way. It was never, it was always paycheck to paycheck and I single parent of two kids and, and, and it was a mess. And, uh, so I, it doesn't guarantee happiness when I tell people, well, will I be happy if I get a life like yours? Well, I'm not happy every minute. There's things I could talk about with you that, you know, don't make me, it's not to do with my marriage or anything, but things out there, but I'll tell you, having enough money or more than enough money and having all the time you need goes a long ways to reaching happiness. Sure. sure. <laughs> and whole, th- what, you, what I think is you, very inspiring about you is that, that, that happened uh, fairly late in your life around 49 yeah. or 50, as you, you were 50, saying, yeah. right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for, for people that are 30 and they're feeling like, man, I just haven't done it yet. Well, you still, that's can, crazy. Right. And there's so many opportunities out there. There's so many goofy little businesses answering service. I run an answering service. <laughs> I mean, you could, it's, there's so many businesses out there that are poorly run. You could walk into a poorly run business, take over their lease. They just walk away and then fix it using a system strategy. I mean, if I if I wanted to, if I had the time, I mean, I have opportunities come by every day and I just push them away, push them away, push them away because I, you, you can only be in one place at one time and I don't need any more money. Mm-hmm. I don't need to have the satisfaction anymore. I get it every day. And uh, but there's so many. My point is, there's so many opportunities for somebody out there. And if they're climbing the corporate ladder, that's a tough one. You know, because there's so much politics and all that. I really encourage people to try to start their own business mm-hmm. where you have control. Yeah, rototiller, you yes. got your hands on it and you're not underneath it. <laughs> but uh, working in a corporate environment's a tough thing. Yeah. And if you want to if you want to work for the same corporation for 40 years and have a gold watch at the end and that and that's your peak experience, go for it. But I don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, I would like to leave something. In a lot of uh, situations like that, um, you you really have very little control. And that's one of the things that you're talking about in your book is, is control and how that contributes to happiness. And I'd like to just touch on this as our last, as our last thing about, about when you're, when you have the systems mindset and you start to apply this in all different parts of your life, how a little more control over your, over your life, your, your destiny, your, whether you're a fire killer, as you say in your book, or, or you're, you're preventing fires um, by through preparation, how that contributes to happiness. And and you've certainly seen it in your life. 
Well, yeah, and, and the, there's over 20 chapters in the book, and the first chapter is entitled Control is a Good Thing. Let's Because there's this thing in our society, oh, you're a control freak, you're a control freak. No, I'm not a control freak. I am in control of my own processes and in my business. And if you want to call me a control freak, go ahead. But it's not going to go fluttering all around because my life will be a nightmare. So you take the things that you can control and you get them under control and you can't always control the people around you. But for instance, for an employee, look, I'll give you X number of dollars. If you perform in this way, go for it. Here's, here's the written procedure for your job description, go for it. And I'll tell you, if you don't perform to my satisfaction, I'm going to let you go. Or maybe you'll quit. You don't take everybody's rights away but you get yourself under control and then you create a working environment for people you hire, for example, uh, a working environment that will bring the best people in and you pay them a lot of money. I pay my people a lot of money. They stay with me forever and I give them a working environment where they can be themselves. And I don't have to manage that rotor tiller. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you don't want to be doing this with your employees And so you control the things you can control. And one thing you can control is the systems mindset in your own head and getting the documentation done in your business in concert with the people who work for you. But if you try to micromanage, I will not micromanage. I will not go under any of my people. And I have these rules. I have these 30 principles I talked about earlier. You control the things you can control. If you don't, if you're not, and here's what I say to people, well, you're a control freak and all this. And I say, okay, what's the opposite of control? And they'll say, well, uh, being out of control. And I said, tell me how that's a good thing. Just tell me what, what are the good elements of being out of control? And they can't, there's no good answer because there is no answer. Uh, But again, you don't want to get, too wrapped up and you don't want to turn into a control freak, but there are certain things you can control and certain things as a leader, you are required and expected to do. And that is to provide a good working environment where people know what's going on and they don't have to read your mind for one thing. That's why people stay with me forever. I stay out of their faces. I listen to them when they tell me the frontline people in sales or in operations come up with the procedures, write them down to my specifications. I never look at them anymore. They do it from scratch because they all have the systems mindset. And over the years, of course, it didn't take long for the people who didn't have that kind of capacity to have that mindset went away. And now I'm surrounded by long-term management people who've been with me forever who get it because it works. It really, it really works. They all make way more money working for me than they would anywhere else uh, in uh, all across. We have about uh, five states we employ people. And then um, that would be, we don't even hire anybody in Oregon anymore because nobody can pass a drug test and we're (laughs) strict on drug tests. But we have people in Idaho, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Texas, and Romania and Italy (laughs) of all places. And uh, I love these people. They're all super great, but it took it took a little while for them uh, to show up. uh, And we had to go through a a way of, uh, you know, having the people that weren't getting the systems mindset to go away and they were dismissed or left on their own. Um, But anyway, that's it. That's pretty much it. And I talk about the systems mindset, which we've talked about today, Tom, a lot Mm -hmm. in part one of the book. Part two of the book is the documentation, very specific. And the third part's kind of the fun part, but that's all odds and ends. Um, 
do it now, you know, point, I call it point of sale and, and, a. a, a uh, perfection is imperfection. You want to be 98% correct. And there's a whole bunch of chapters in there about that, but I wrote it as a guidebook for my staff and it turned into a book back nice. in 2008. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's helped a lot of people, including me. And, uh, certainly wanted to share it with, with my audience because I know we have a lot of CEOs and business owners and, and, and all kinds of people that listen to this. Um, and you had a, you had a really interesting, um, a uh, little story about a, a fishing charter captain in your book too, which as soon as I read that, I was like, man, I got to reach out to this guy because he, <laughs> we're going to. That, that is a true story too. There's not a line of BS in the whole book. And I'm very proud of that. Nice. We, uh, there was a little section about how I bring coffee in. We bring coffee in for everybody on Monday mornings. And I don't know how many hours I spent interviewing the person who was bringing the coffee and my CEO to get it exactly right. Cause there was a whole process to it. And, and it was just my final little thing that I wasn't sure about in a whole book, but there isn't any BS in the book at all. Uh, and that was my final. Uh, and in the fourth edition, it had changed a little bit and I talk about it in there, but it all has to do with systems. But I invite your uh, CEO uh, listeners to go to workthesystem.com and get on my mailing list. Uh, once a week, you'll get a video from me and they're, they're three minutes long or two minutes long. I think one was four minutes, but I, I don't like, uh, I, I know from the statistics, a lot of people, uh, they'll start on a 15 minute video and they won't get very far. Mm -hmm. right. Now a podcast is different because this is in depth, right. but these are little nuances about the systems mindset. And I, I get up in front of the camera and I just, rattle it off real quickly and then I'm done and people can pass those on and everything. Sure. Uh, but that's the best bet. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, Sam, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and thanks for writing your book. I, I've, I've put it to use myself and, uh, I think others will do the same. Well, I'm flattered, Tom, you're an accomplished man. And I, I love hearing accomplished people like my book. I mean, yeah. that's, that's just ego on my part, but thank you for <laughs> Thank you for embracing it and having me on your show. Thank you. All right. That's it for today. We'll see you next week. You'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.